Thanks for downloading this podcast from City Church Leeds. You join us as we're journeying through the book of John. We hope that it blesses, encourages and inspires you. It's just great to be in the Word together. It's just wonderful to be in the presence of God together this morning and especially the last couple of songs just really sense the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit with us. It was awesome. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to Christmas. I love Christmas. You know, don't give me any of that uh, hocus-pocus garbage about Christmas being a pagan festival and we don't keep it. We've taken it over to celebrate Jesus, haven't we? Just a wonderful time of year. Just want to bring you greetings from the church in uh, Keith, the Airedale Church. And this has been a really interesting year for us. Just before I turn to the Word, just a couple of testimonies, really. We've started a, an evening service in the congregation and particularly looking to God for that service to, bring, to be a place where people can connect with us and people can come and be healed. And, and just God is uh, starting to do some amazing things. We've had uh, quite a few healings take place. And the amazing thing is some of the children that come to the evening service are involved in prayer. One particular um, man who's been who's come back to the church. He he was a Muslim who got uh, saved a few years ago, and he didn't sustain his faith. But he's come back the last year. He um, is very well known within the town. He used to be a a wrestler. He's a very big guy and very strong. In fact, I think he's been part of the some of the Hope College this time here. Just a great guy, and just completely sold out for Jesus. He's been beaten up for his faith by his own extended family, left for dead. Um, but just the miracle of God in his life has been so tremendous. Anyway, he was playing football and got a metatarsal injury and was on crutches and couldn't drive and so on. Anyway, he came to the meeting and some children just laid their hands on him and just released the presence of Jesus. And he took the crutches away and started to run around the room. And he's not had a problem since. He's back in the gym training with his daughter, who's a boxer, and telling all these guys in the gym that Jesus has healed him. And he's just an amazing guy. And God's amazing through him. And just to say more about what this guy's involved with, he is just going around the Muslim community in that area, just sharing the love of Jesus. And all we can do is support him pastorally in that. And actually, I've been blessed to be able to go around to some houses with him as well and, and share, which has been awesome. But uh, <clears throat> one particular situation occurred where a businessman in, in Bradford, quite a prominent businessman in the Pakistani community, his, I think his sister-in-law was, was sick, and she was in hospital, and I think she'd had a stroke, and she wasn't in a good way. And within the family, they started to ask, is there somebody, uh, a holy man, uh, an imam, somebody who can come and pray? And it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much it'll cost, we'll, 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 we'll pay the money for, some, for something to take place here that's miraculous. And this businessman says, well, I, I know a guy, he won't come to you dressed as an imam, he'll come in a tracksuit. And uh, he, he used to be a wrestler, but he's the, the closest man to God I know. And he won't charge you anything 
but he'll come and pray in the name of Jesus. And if you're okay with that, he'll come. So he came, he prayed, and that lady's out of hospital and she's completely well now. And more to the point, last Friday we baptized that businessman. He's come to Christ. So God is doing some amazing things. And like every church, there's challenges. But, you know, what I've learned in the last 12 years of ministry is if we focus just on the challenges, we get depressed. It's time to focus on what God is doing and celebrate what God is doing. You know, we had a wonderful testimony of a young girl who had a scholarship to go to university in Strasbourg, and she um, just top of a class in biochemistry. And she was um, going, she had a research post to go to, and uh, she developed ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, a number of other conditions as well. And she had to postpone uh, that trip. And uh, anyway, she came, her family's in the church, she came into our Sunday night gatherings, and she came forth for prayer. I just felt in my heart just a simple word from the Lord, and I just walked up to her and I said, I won't give her a name, but I just said, I just believe the Father is saying to you, what is happening to you is nothing to do with what you have done. It's not a punishment from him at all, what is happening to you. This is not God's plan for your life, and God wants you restored in every way. Now, she just started crying and crying and crying and crying. We prayed for her, laid hands on her, and uh, she came to me at the end, and she said, um, I just want to say to you, yes, I've been going to counseling, a Christian counselor, because of some issues in my past, and yesterday this Christian counselor says, the reason you have these problems and these symptoms now is because of the mistakes you've made in the past. And less than 24 hours later, the father spoke to that beautiful daughter of his. That is not true. She's recovering. It's been a slow recovery. She's recovering. She's on course to go back to her post. She's back in work at the moment. And God is healing her heart and healing her life. God is a good God, isn't he? And it kind of follows as we pick up this um, wonderful account in John chapter 9 because... You know, sometimes the same questions we have about God and that society has about God are the same questions they had all those years ago. And in John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says this, And he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's a really interesting question, especially as you look at the context and the culture of that particular time. Basically, a lot of the Eastern traditions, particularly branches of Hinduism, had affected uh, Hebrew religion and Jewish religion at that time in the Middle East. A lot of other kinds of religion had affected the Jewish faith at that time, to the point that in most synagogues at the time of Jesus, they had the full zodiac signage all over the floor of the synagogues. It was a real mixture in the Middle East of different beliefs and different faiths. And many people at that time, including the Jewish people, believed that punishment for sins that a person had committed in a former life could be played out in their current life in terms of sickness, disease, and disability. 
It's a Hindu tradition that crept into Judaism, but it was widely believed at that time. And actually, because the leaders and the religious leaders of that time were so sin-conscious instead of God-conscious, they perpetuated that lie amongst the community. And that's why the disciples raised this. The other reason they raised it is because there's a, there was a teaching on the back of the law from Leviticus 20.18 that said that the certain sins of the parents were responsible for disability. It wasn't a direct teaching from the Scripture. It was a misinterpretation of the Scripture. And all these things were there in the minds of these disciples who had left their tradition and their religion and the patterns of this world to follow Jesus who was here to turn the world upside down. They followed him and they were asking him questions. You know, God does not mind us asking him questions. He doesn't mind that at all. In fact, he, he is so secure, he can take any question from you and me. Not a problem for God. Remember Mary? She asked the question, didn't she? When Gabriel came and she, she, Gabriel said to her, you're going to have a baby. And she says, how can this be? I haven't even slept with a man. Well, that's a good question, isn't it, to ask in that situation. If you notice in Luke chapter 1, Zachariah asked similar questions. He didn't believe that his wife could give birth at the age she was. And Gabriel took a, had a problem with Zachariah where he didn't have a problem with Mary. You see, if our questions come from a heart that wants to learn, God has no problem. If our questions come from a supercilious, prideful attitude that just disbelieves what God says, then God won't entertain those kind of questions. But it's okay to ask questions if they come from a heart that wants to learn and wants to grow. So they asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Listen to Jesus' response. This is verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus. Now, Jesus is not saying that this man or his parents have never sinned. He's just saying, for me, that's not an issue. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, you're missing the point, even with the question. It's not that these circumstances have been orchestrated so God can show his glory. It's simply that these circumstances have afforded an opportunity for God to show his glory. There's a big difference. God is not a micromanager of humankind. He isn't. He works with you and I. And this circumstance, because this man lived in a fallen world and was born into a world full of sin, in a fallen state, these things occurred. And this poor fellow, blind from birth, was born into a world marred by sin and marred by the fall. And all Jesus saw in this man was an opportunity for the glory of God. You know, I believe sometimes this as Christians, we can have a tendency to be far too analytical and critical. And it's actually perhaps the way we've been educated. 
But sometimes the education that we have, even though it's valid and good and God wants Christians to excel in every field of society, I really believe that. But when we come to God, it's important that we come with our heart, not just our head. It's important that we are trained in His ways, not just in Western education. Even the way we listen, Jesus says, be careful how you hear. You can... You can be listening but not hearing because of a certain way you listen. And I would just ask in the next few moments of all of us, as we open our heart, I'm praying that God would flood your heart with light so you would know the hope to which you've been called and you would know that the same miracles that Jesus did 2,000 years ago, He's still doing today and He's doing them through you and me. You know, we have to take our example from God, don't we? The Bible says in Philippians, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So our example is God. So let's just rewind right back to the beginning of creation because when you do your study of the book of John, it mirrors in a number of ways Genesis. Go right back there, and what you had was, according to Genesis chapter 1, there was chaos everywhere. There was destruction everywhere. The word is chaos. It wasn't ordered. And God did not come into that situation and analyze where the chaos had come from, who caused the chaos, what the chaos is all about, was he being taught through the chaos. No, he said, light be. He was thinking on a completely different order to the way just the human wisdom thinks. Regardless of where the chaos had come from in Genesis 1, regardless of those situations, he decided not to be hampered by the circumstances he was looking at, not to overanalyze things, but simply from that which was in him, speak that forth with which was light. You and I have the light of God within us if we are Christians this morning. If we have received the Spirit of God, we have the light of God within us. You know, God is not an academic theologian in a heavenly armchair smoking a pipe and making smug remarks. God, by nature, is a doer. And he do, what he does is motivated by who he is. It's never motivated by circumstance. God is a doer. All that he does comes out of who he is. The problem for us as Christians, sometimes we try and do a lot of stuff without first coming aside and knowing who we are. But God wants us to, out of fellowship and relationship with Him, know who we are in Christ, know who Christ is in us, know what we can do in Christ, and what we can be in Christ. God wants that for you and me. Amen? John chapter 9, 6, and 7, Jesus did this after He said, I'm the light of the world. And after saying this, He spit on the ground made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, 
wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means sent, so that the man went and washed and came home seeing. Can you see in this one action, there's a picture of creation, how God took the dust of the earth or the mud of the ground and formed a new creation. Jesus was showing himself to be fully God by taking the creation, by taking the the dust of the ground, the mud of the ground, and bringing new creation into the human being. It's a complete picture of the creation of Genesis. And before him, this man, the the first manifestation, the first encounter with Jesus was an encounter with the Creator. Can I say to you that when you encounter Jesus, you don't just encounter a Jesus on a cross or a Jesus in a tomb or a Jesus resurrected. You encounter the Creator. And God wants His people to be creative. I was so blessed the last few weeks to hear stories and testimonies back from Hope College here for the number of folks that came from Airedale and the way in which that Peter and the other guys involved in the course just help people see God creatively and be creative. It was a powerful thing. And God wants us to enjoy life and go on an adventure with Him. If we are not enjoying life as a Christian, guess what? It's time again to come before the Lord and say, Father, I want to find the joy of my salvation again. If we're not enjoying life as a Christian, it's time for us to focus off the analytical circumstances of the world and start to focus again on Jesus. There's a line that Stuart mentioned this morning as he was sharing with us. uh, And basically, it comes from a song that I was singing on the way here, Stuart. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The issue is, turn your eyes on Jesus. How do we turn our eyes on Jesus? By again finding Jesus in the Scripture. By again finding an encounter with Jesus in our worship, in our prayer together. Again, listening to that still, small voice every day that speaks to us and asks us to do something, to be an ambassador on His behalf. You know, this man could have got really offended Even though he was blind, he'd been blind from birth, so I I guess he was pretty much aware of what was going on when Jesus spat on the ground. You know, he would have heard that. What are you doing, Jesus? A mud on the floor. We don't know what contained that mud. It may have been five different kinds of donkey do. We don't know what was in that mud. But he made that mud and he placed it on his eyes. I think a lot of people may get offended by that. Well, I I want you this way, God. I want you in this nice, neat package. If you are going to heal me, heal me this way. If you are going to bring restoration, bring this way. And God says, no, I'll do it the way I want to do it. Please don't get offended. And can I say to you, I believe that God wants to heal all that come to him. There's a number of times in the Gospels it says about Jesus, that Jesus healed all who came to him. 
This year, my own mother has recovered from an operation she didn't get healed from. Two operations, she's gone through uh, esophageal cancer. I don't know why she didn't get healed, but I ain't going to blame God about it. What it does for me is give me a, a greater desire to pursue Jesus, the miracle maker. Not pursue miracle signs and wonders, but pursue Jesus because I believe that Jesus wants the church to move in such a supernatural manifestation of his glory. And I think we've settled for something less because I believe God wants us to be prosperous. And the definition of prosperity is this, not about having lots of money and lots of cars. It's if you can meet the need of the next person that comes to you, whatever that need may be. So money won't meet certain needs, will it? So you, you and I need to be so full of the resource of the Holy Spirit that the next person who comes to us, we don't glibly pat them on the back and say it'll be all right, but we've got an answer for them. Jesus always had an answer. He was the answer. One of the scriptures you put on the screen earlier, John 20, 30 to 31, says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name all these miracles you're looking at in the gospel of John are for one purpose that we would find faith again to believe in Jesus as the Son of God and as the Deliverer and the Rescuer. And that believing we may have life in His name. Let me just break that down for a minute. The word life in the Greek is zoe. It means life as God lives life. The word name there in the Greek means authority, character, and identity. If we really have a focus that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is our Deliverer and our Lord, what will happen is that we will imbibe His very life, the life that God lives. And we will live that life in His name, in His identity. God wants you and I to live from His identity. Not an identity of worthlessness, not an identity of lack, not an identity that you are not good enough. God has made you worthy by His own blood. We sang about it this morning. And you and I are here for one purpose, not to be the tail but be the head not to be beneath but be the top why so we become come the servant of all and the ambassador of christ and bring about the glory of god in the earth anybody say amen to that um, i forgive me if it's a little bit preachy but through the foolishness of preaching god has decided to dispense his word we have been made new you and i have been made new We've been made the light of the world. The Bible says that we are now the light of the world. Do you believe that? There's one line at the end of the book of John which I absolutely love. It says, John 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I believe the Word of God. So even all the e-books that are out there. 
Even all the ways that people can store information. Jesus did so much in his life. In 33 years, he did so much that's not recorded, but it was all good and it was all the life of God. Can I suggest to you that Jesus left us a great example to follow? And it's not an an unattainable example because he came to live on the inside of you and me by his spirit and his spirit has already prepared glorious works for us to walk in from the foundation of the earth there are limitless possibilities in God let's just look at a bit more of this scripture in John chapter 9 let's look at verse 8 His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, this is the man who was born blind and now healed, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam washed so I went and washed then I could see where is this man they asked him I don't know he said they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight he put mud on my eyes the man replied and I washed and now I see some of the Pharisees says this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs so they were divided? If the church and if you and I as believers and disciples start moving in the power of God, we will divide opinion. We will divide opinion about us. We will divide opinion about many things because some people still want to keep on hold of their traditions even within the Christian church. But Jesus said once that your traditions nullify the power of God. There are certain traditions, certain practices that Jesus left with us. One of them was baptism, one of them was communion. But outside of that, there is no other rituals he's placed upon us. There were no other traditions he's placed upon us. A lot of the traditions we we take on are traditions of men. And those traditions of men can sometimes nullify what God wants to do amongst us. Can I suggest to you that in the charismatic church we also have our traditions? That's a revelation, isn't it? You know when the, when the, what is called in, in some parts of the press in this country, the Toronto blessing, it wasn't the Toronto's blessing, it was the Father's blessing, but when that hit in the UK... It hit in the Anglican church. It hit in many denominations. In fact, one of the person, one of the people that were touched by the Holy Spirit in a demonstrable way and was slain in the Spirit in his own church building and was stuck there for hours was a man called Nicky Gumbel. And as he was down the floor, somebody prophesied over him who was from the charismatic tradition in an Anglican church and said, you will create a course that will go all over the world and many will come to Christ through your course. Hence the Alpha course. 
See, the whole of the Alpha Course was birthed in the Spirit. Everything that the church that has done, regardless of denominational label, that has been a blessing and brought people to Christ has been birthed by the Spirit. And God will even overlook our charismatic traditions and use anyone who just wants to receive more of the Holy Ghost and live full of the Holy Spirit to overflow to those around Him. What God cares about is not our traditions, even if they're charismatic. What God cares about is us being light and being light to a world that desperately needs light. John 9, 17 and they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? This is asking, what have you to say about Jesus? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Some of the ministries we have in the church, I believe, still today are apostles and prophets. Do you believe that? Any apostle or prophet that lays any other foundation than Christ in the church is not an apostle and prophet. I believe that apostles and prophets are foundational as long as they lay Christ and get people completely inspired to follow Jesus and live for him. Amen? But why did this man think that Jesus was a prophet? Simply this, because he got him to see in a different way that he'd never seen before. Prophets and ministries are not there so that we can say, oh, our church has an apostle. Our church has a prophet. Big deal. They are there to function so that people see. Prophets are there to function so people see what God sees. Apostles are there to function so people build what God once built. Not what they want built. So even these ministries, this, they're there. They can be just traditional. I, I walked into one particular church not long ago, and they said, oh, you know, we're, we're a good church. We have an apostle. Big deal. I've got Jesus. He's the great apostle. Now, I'm not against these ministries. We need them. We'll need them until the church comes to maturity. But if we put an anything, at, let me say this to you, anything that we consult before consulting Christ, the definition of that is an idol. And I believe in local leadership. I believe that Ephesians 4 ministries need to be in local leadership. But they are not God. They are servants of Jesus. Servants of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. What a privilege. So he said, I, he's a prophet. You know, this chapter goes on and they questioned and questioned him. They brought his mum and dad in. You know, sometimes we think or it's said, particularly in certain circumstances, that the people in the Bible were, were simple people. You know, that's why they believe this stuff. They were simple. Nowadays, we're more sophisticated. We've got Richard Dawkins. You know, we, we don't need this stuff. But the issue is this. They questioned him and his family, 
and cross-questioned him perhaps as much as we have done, we would have done. Or people out there would have done, or the press would have done. When they questioned him and questioned him, he, he got a bit frustrated. <laughs> and he says this in verse 26. They're questioning whether Jesus is a sinner. They're questioning whether Jesus is of God. And he says this. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> it doesn't really matter if you've got a theological degree or not. If you have a testimony if you have something that you know is irrefutable that Jesus has done for you, that is powerful. And if that's all you have, shout it from the rooftops because it will have an effect on somebody's life. I don't know after this event how many people who were blind went to find Jesus and seek him out. Can I suggest to you, I know it's conjecture, but I bet it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. That's why sometimes Jesus got weary from praying for the sick in his physical body because there were so many. <clears throat> Once I was blind, but now I see. The questioning goes on, and I'll, I'll conclude with this in verse 27. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why don't you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? This guy's become an evangelist. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are, his, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. That's a nasty little accusation at Jesus' birth. We don't even know who his father is. But we are disciples of Moses. In John 1.17, it says this, the law came through Moses. But grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. And law, a law-based life, even for a Christian, will mean this. A law-based life will mean the accusation of others and the condemnation of yourself. A grace and truth-based life for a Christian means speaking the truth in love like this guy started to do after his miracle. Speaking the truth in love to others and finding your identity and worth in Christ. After this exchange between this man and the Pharisees, they got even more angry with the man. And in verse 34, they said, you were steeped in sin at birth. Coming back to that, that was their judgment on this man. This pseudo-religious judgment that would not empower him at all into healing. This was the religious leaders of the day. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. In the last bit of the chapter, Jesus talks about spiritual blindness. Can I give you a definition of spiritual blindness? It's this. 
thinking you have nothing to learn and favorably comparing yourself with others, even to the point of being dismissive of others. That's a great definition of spiritual blindness. And I pray that over this Christmas season that we would find again as individuals a desire to be disciples, to be learners. I know many of you already have it. You wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't, but let's have an increase of it. That God wants us to be learners because we are not those who are called to spiritual blindness. We are called to see things the way God sees them and do the things that God does. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.